I found something very helpful on uh, this website called the Babylon Bee. It tells us that the, the CDC these days, uh, according to this, this site, is suggesting lots of weird ways to avoid contracting coronavirus, such as washing your hands, not licking doorknobs. <laughs> these, method, these methods sound kind of uh, sciencery, so we immediately became suspicious of them, according to this uh, article. And sure enough, it seems the best way to avoid getting infected is supernatural. Many have found that if you paint Chick-fil-A sauce on your doorposts, the virus will pass right over you in your household. Research seems to indicate that the angel of coronavirus <laughs> passes through each town and city every night and looks for the telltale sign that you are one of God's elect <laughs> through Chick-fil-A sauce. Those with the correct sign of being one of God's people are passed over while those without the sign are visited <laughs> and immediately infected, according to this, this very serious article. We have no explanation, said one so-called scientist. This must be some kind of miracle from God. The scientists said that they tried other substances such as liberal tears, hand sanitizer, <laughs> and essential oils, but only Chick-fil-A sauce proved 100% effective at staving off the angel of coronavirus. Uh, at publishing time, President Trump had vowed to lead <laughs> the nation's Christians away from the coronavirus-infected country and into the promised land where they are hardly any diseased people at all, or people in general at all. This turned out to be Greenland. <laughs> uh, it has been a fun week, you know, of enjoying simple things and, uh, you know, and, and finding ways that we can have humor in the midst of, uh, uh, you know, of all that's going on in our culture right now. The, uh, the passage that this uh, article is obviously satirizing uh, actually is a really interesting um, passage from our scriptures, uh, just about how God himself prepares his people. If you guys uh, know that there, there was a, a genuine Passover, where there was a, an angel of death that passed over the people of Israel because they had painted blood on their doors. And that time period for the nation of Israel uh, was, was crucial. And the way that God led them through that uh, and preparing them for that time, I, I think is instructive for us today. I'm going to read a bit from that initial passage and get on uh, into some other stuff as well. If you have your Bibles ready, we are going to, uh, to jump into Exodus uh, chapter 6. And if you have uh, it ready, uh, in verse 2, I'm going to skip around a little bit, but start off in verse 2. Then God spoke to Moses, telling him, I am Yahweh. So he announces his name. I appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as God Almighty, which is different than Yahweh. But I, not, I did not reveal my name Yahweh to them. Uh, did you guys know that uh, God is always revealing more of himself? He's revealed more of himself today than he did yesterday and a thousand years from now and two thousand years from now. He's always revealing more of Jesus. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land they lived in as foreigners. Furthermore, I heard the groaning of the Israelites whom the Egyptians are forcing to work as slaves, and I have remembered my covenant. Therefore, tell the Israelites, I am Yahweh. I have a name. I'm personal. 
I am that I am, and I will deliver you from the forced labor of the Egyptians and free you from slavery to them. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and great acts of judgment. I will take you as my people, and I will be your God. I will take you in as my people, and you will be my God. You will know that I am Yahweh, your God, who delivered you from the forced labor of the Egyptians. I will bring you to the land that I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and I will give it to you as possessions. I am Yahweh. And this is the part that's interesting for us. Moses told this to the Israelites, but they did not listen at this point to him because of their broken spirit and hard labor. Uh, the, the people of Israel, they had been surrounded by uh, oppression for a long time, 400 years. They were surrounded by a, a nation and a, a ruler and a, a people who was constantly keeping them under wraps and, and constantly trying to, to put them down. And at that time, God steps in and he says, you know, but I have a name, Yahweh, and I'm going to deliver you. You'll be my people. I will be your God. And then at that time, uh, I will deliver you from this oppression. But he notices at that time also that they were a people that had a broken spirit. And he's a good God. He's a good father. And as we come to find out over increased revelation, he's a good shepherd. And so he begins to prepare his people. You have been prepared for these days as well. God speaks to them. And before he gets to those acts of judgment, which we know of as the, the, the great plagues that hit Egypt, I want to pause for a second. All right, because the, the scriptures, Paul's here in chapter six, before he announces the plagues, God does something. He reveals the genealogy of Moses and Aaron. Last week, uh, you know, for those of you that were here in attendance, uh, John kind of joked uh, through his passage that the, the subsequent passage was the genealogy of Jesus, and he said, "Well, David's going to teach you what that means," and it was kind of funny. <clears throat> well, he, here he is giving another genealogy. Why does he do this? He's naming his people. He's, he's giving name to his family. Before he sets them free, he first establishes that I have family on this earth. Before he does this new thing, he establishes the word, you are family. Before Jesus went out and did his ministry, uh, according to the scriptures, you know, the way that they laid it out, he established, the father did, that Jesus and all of us are part of family. He's preparing you. Have you not heard in recent weeks that we are part of family? Has this not been going out in the spirit, wherever you are, that you are all part of family, that we are a part of one big family? So before God does this great move, he establishes, first of all, hey, listen, I'm naming you. I have a name too, and you're a part of my family. And then subsequently, you're going to be included into my family. All the nations are invited into this. And so the genealogies are there to help us to all see that we have a name, that you have a name, and that you're included in. You'll, you'll never be lonely. You'll never be lost. You always have a father. So even from the very beginning, even from the earliest that we know of in scriptures, God was establishing that he's a father. And then he begins to you know, release these plagues against Egypt, who for 400 years have been saving up judgment. They had been refusing to, to bear witness to the people of God in their midst and treating them kindly. And then he, he releases the plagues. The, the people of Israel, they were actually kept safe in a land called Goshen. 
And all the, the plagues that had happened, not a single one of those plagues was allowed to touch the people of Israel. So if darkness was one of the plagues, hit the land, uh, it was light in Goshen. If there were gnats and boils and uh, you know, blood over here in Egypt, uh, Goshen was free of all that stuff. Now when the frogs came, uh, you know, I, I, was, I would have been glad that I was in Goshen, but I would have had to check that out. <clears throat> I, I would have wanted to see what it was like for people to try to step and not step on frogs and, and, and not end up having, you know, uh, the squishy experience and just what that would have been like. To me, in my funny imagination, that would have cracked me up, you know, like, all right, I'll, I'll be back in a second, but I've got to check out the frogs. <laughs> With each of these subsequent uh, plagues, uh, God was showing himself to be strong over all the gods of Egypt that they were worshiping, that he was more powerful than them. He was showing that he could be trusted and trustworthy. Uh, the cool part about it to me is that he wasn't just trusting uh, the people to just to receive this and remain as slaves. Because on the 10th plague, he did something very important. As was alluded to with the Chick-fil-A sauce story, uh, you know, he had them slaughter a lamb and apply the blood on the doorposts. He had them to prepare all the parts of the lamb to be ready to eat. He had them to uh, bake unleavened bread. Now, you know, you ask, you know, why did he do this? Well, the first thing that he was wanting them to, to, to see is that they, they wouldn't remain a victim even to God. They, they wouldn't remain slaves even to a father. He, he's not a sovereign slave master. Uh, he uses his sovereignty, you know, just to say, you know, what he wants and, and do what he wants. He, he says, with my sovereignty, I give you freedom. What do you want to do with it? And so he invites us to participate in what he's saying, and to participate in his promises. There's a need for us as his people to respond to what he says, to take part in it. And so they, they covered the doorpost. Now, but why did he ask them for those specific commandments? To, to take all the parts of the lamb and, and eat it and, and to make the bread unleavened because you're not going to have time for it to rise. I, I believe that you know, he was able to see into the heart of Pharaoh and know that no matter what he did with Pharaoh, Pharaoh was going to, in his heart of anger and hatred, still come after the people of God. He knew what was in Pharaoh's heart. It, it had been cultivated by years. Remember, Pharaoh's great-granddad, uh, or Pharaoh's dad, was the one that uh, called out genocide to wipe out the, uh, the, the, the boys of, uh, of Israel during the time of Moses. And so genocide was in the heart of this Pharaoh, and then also got passed on to his son. That's wicked. That, 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 is, that, is a, that is a horrible act. And God knew that was in Pharaoh's heart. And God knew that whatever he did to try to show himself to be God, this man, Pharaoh, was so wicked that he was going to come after Israel even after he released these plagues of death. And so he said to his people, hey, listen, you know, he's going to come after you. You need to make sure that you don't spend time baking the bread. Make it quick and then get out of town, but he's going to come after you. I, I see that as the father preparing his people for what was going to come. You know, maybe if Pharaoh at that point would have said, I'm done, that's it. You know, you guys are, 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 are you know, God's people and I'm going to worship God. Maybe we would have had leavened bread, you know, as part of the story of God. We, we really don't know. But what we have instead is the unleavened because they were hastily having to leave. God was preparing the people of God. And God's been preparing you as well. He's been releasing the word of family. In this house, but also across the land. He's been preparing us for a time of be still and know that I am God. 
as a preparation for these days right now. He's prepared you. You are ready for what he's had ahead. And then afterwards, he leads his people to the Red Sea. And there at the Red Sea, there's, uh, there's some funny interactions. You know, the, the whole army of Egypt is coming now after the people of Israel. And the people begin to get upset. They're panicked. Oh, what are we going to do? This is going to be terrible. I've seen your great power. You've delivered us. But they're still behind us. What are you going to do? You seem to have been righteous and good to deliver us, but are you loving to destroy your enemies too? We don't yet know that. And then we, uh, we see Moses, uh, in a sense, kind of complaining to God. And, you know, in these days right now, um, you know, if you're anything like me or, or you know, if, if you've been walking with the Lord for any amount of time, um, you, you know that in our communities, uh, people are having all kinds of reactions. You know, people of faith are having all kinds of reactions. And, and that's, that's part of where we are as a people, as, as, as a nation. So I want to let this be instructive. What did Moses do in this? Moses called out to God, what should I do? And the, the Lord responds back to Moses, uh, why are you asking me? Why are you looking to me for the answers? Tell your people Israel, you know, to, uh, to get ready in a sense. And then you, with your staff, divide the waters. He had prepared Moses for that time. He had prepared Moses to be a son, to have a choice. He had prepared Moses to be one who could extend his staff that God had given to him and take ownership of his job as a leader and to part that sea and to bring his people through it. He wasn't going to have Moses just be a a pawn, just to do and obey, to reinforce the slave master mentality. He had raised up Moses to be a true son. And in these days, you also have a staff, each one of you. And it's time to be sons, it's time to be daughters of God. And then he raised up the staff, he parted the seas, and the people went through. The enemy was wiped out. The songs began to sing as people, uh, the Israel began to recognize that they were set free. Now, at this time also, uh, God wasn't just preparing them for a deliverance. We know that from the passage that he was also delivering them for a land, the promised land. And, and, and we know in just a few moments that that land was filled with strong-walled cities, that that land was filled with giants. We know that in the promised land, before you got to it, the gates of hell were there. That attached to the promises was an enemy. Before the promises are fulfilled, the people of God are going to have to face giants. And he was preparing them as a father. Now, can you imagine being a part of that people? And, and maybe if uh, you're like me, there's been times where you've wondered, you know, is, God, is God really there? You know, I, I see so many people suffering. I see my people with, with, with broken spirits and bent backs. I, I see people struggling to make ends meet. I see people with pain. I see people in, in sickness. They, they, they can't get by. And, and, and maybe if you were in that, that same group, you'd be wondering, oh, God, I, I long to see you. Not just to see God move, but also to see that slave mentality, that victim mindset removed so that the revelation of who you really are occurs, that who you really are, your destiny gets fulfilled. 
And that you know that the goodness that's within you gets to shine brightly with nothing hidden. <laughs> and so Joshua and Caleb, if you can, if you can imagine them, maybe they're, maybe they're teenagers, maybe they're boys, maybe, maybe they're growing up to become men, and they're longing, they're wondering, oh, when God, when's God going to show up? When's he going to move? And then he comes, and their heart becomes alive. Maybe you've had that experience where you come to hear the word of Jesus for the first time, and you're like, oh, yes, this is who I am. You hear about the promises of God that are out there, and you're like, oh, yes, that, that you can be a son and daughter, and you may come alive as well. And that sets you up, you know, to, to go and take out some giants. And so when Moses leads the people after the giving of the Ten Commandments, the, the law, he says, I want you to go spy out the land, and we're going to take a look at that right now. Oh, I love this passage right here. So I, I want you to begin to, just to allow the Spirit to stir you up at this time of what is happening in our nation, what's happening in your life, what we're facing, and find yourself in this story. <laughs> so in Numbers 13, I'm going to go to uh, verse 17. When Moses sent the leaders of Israel from each tribe to scout out the land of Canaan, he told them, go up this way to the Negev, then go up into the hill country. See what the land is like and whether the people who live there are strong or weak, few or many. Is the land live? Is the land they live in good or bad? Are the cities they live in encampments or fortifications? Now, I want you to pause for a second. Moses is one that has been fathered by God. Now, he has been one who has been trained up by God. Do you think that he's asking these questions about the promised land that God is going to give? Because he's trying to see whether or not it's actually good? Or do you think he's setting them up to see how amazing God is? Do you think he's fathering them now also into this revelation of who God is through his promises, through his goodness? We've been hearing in our congregation in these past weeks how good God is. As you behold him, you become like him, to dream like he dreams. Do you see how he's been preparing us as a house? In verse 18, see what the land is like. Okay, we're going to go down. Are the cities they live in encampments or fortifications? Is the land fertile or unproductive? Are there trees in it or not? Be courageous. Bring back some fruit from the land, for it was the season for the first ripe grapes. And so they went up and they scouted out the land. I'm going to skip over now to verse 26. And the men, they went back to Moses and Aaron and the entire Israelite community in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back a report for them and the whole community, and they showed them the fruit of the land. They reported to Moses, We went into the land where you sent us. Indeed, it is flowing with milk and honey. And here is some of its fruit. Ah, oh, man, you meet God. You see his power. You get to know Jesus, and you begin to taste of his milk. You begin to taste of his sweetness. You experience mercy. You experience that he is salvation. You experience that there is peace now in your heart. You find joy there. There is milk and honey there. And then you find out sometimes in your walk that they reported to Moses, we went into the land where you sent us. However, the people living in the land are strong, and the cities are large. And fortified. We also saw the descendants of Anak there. They are giants. 
Anak are the descendants of the Nephilim, the giants, the Amicalites living in the land in the Negev, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites. They live in the hill country, and the Canaanites live by the sea along the Jordan. These are all descendants. Many think of also the giants. And then Caleb quieted the people. I love this. In the midst of the presence of Moses and said, We must go up and take possession of the land because we can certainly conquer it. Ugh. And we know what happens after that. The people, they said, no, we don't want to do that. Caleb had a different view. Caleb saw these same giants. He had been dreaming with God. God has been dreaming with man for all of history, saying, you will be my people. I will be your God. I will set you up for success. I will be there where you are. You will be my people. You will be my city. He's dreaming with us. We have to participate. We have to cover our hearts with the blood of Christ. We have to step-by-step go along with him. Caleb gets this. He locks in and he says, yes, you know, but we can conquer this. He doesn't first say God will be with us. Do you see what had happened with Caleb? Caleb was taking these dreams that God had given and shown his power and said, that makes me also one who can conquer these enemies. He had gone from being a slave to now being a son who can take the land, who can face these giants who can look at those walled cities and say they're coming down. Amen. We see then in verse 5 of verse, uh, chapter 14, Then Moses and Aaron fell down to their faces after the complaints of the people in front of the whole assembly of the Israelite community. And then Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, who were among those who scouted out the land, they tore their clothes and they said to the Israelite community, The land we passed through and explored is an extremely good land. What God has promised you, every single one of you, is good. Gosh, all that he has, all that his land is, his heart in you, what he promises in Jesus and his revelation, it's good. Uh, If the Lord is pleased with us and he's rescuing them from evil, He's obviously pleased with us. He will bring us into this land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and give it to us. Only don't rebel against the Lord. And don't be afraid of the people of the land, for we will devour them. This is the important part. Remember this, okay? Their protection has been removed from them. Okay? The cities are still there. They're still giants, but their protection is no longer there. And the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. That's the word of Caleb. That's the word of a conqueror. That's the word of a son who sees the father and see who he's become and therefore can take this land, no matter what is facing him. We knew that for the next 40 years, that there's people that, in these words, in the words of, uh, of other authors in the, in the scriptures, rebelled by not trusting in God. They, they shrunk back. All right? We are not a people that are going to shrink back. We are a company of Caleb's, Joshua's, because we've seen our God, and also we see who we are. Jesus also dreams. Oh, gosh, do you guys know that Jesus dreams? That God dreams? It's been said before by John here that that you are Jesus' dream come true. In addition to that, I want to look at 
John chapter 17. And I'm going to just speak a little bit about the, the dreams of Jesus. So in verse 20, again, uh, John 17, going to Jesus, Jesus is dreaming. He's praying to God, uh, you know, uh, to hear the... <laughs> To hear the heart of God praying to God, you know. Ah, this is what we get a chance to to look at in our word. This is the heart of God for you. I pray not only this is so I mean when when Jesus (laughs) when Jesus who's who's beloved, he's he's the son of God, he's the son of man, when he's praying to his father, do you not think God's gonna answer these prayers? (laughs) I mean, so as you enter into this, just automatically enter into yes. This is you. I pray not only for these, but also for those who believe in me through their message. Everyone say online and hear their message. May they all be one as you, Father, are in me. Just as you are in me. Just as you are complete in me. Just as you are love in me. Just as you are fullness in me. Let them have that. Let them be one in that same way. I and them, them and me. May they all be one as you, Father, are in me and I am in you. May they also be one in us. We are having an online service today. We are seemingly distant. Jesus is praying and he's about to leave his people behind and asking the Father that we would be one and I'd be in them and they would be in us and that we would be one together. Do you think that distance really separates us at all? Do you think that the same presence that's here in this room so tangibly right now is not also in your house? In your ears? <laughs> uh, I have given them the glory. I have given them the glory that you have given me. Did you know that God now shares his glory with you? May they be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May, be, may they be made completely one so that the world may know, so that the world may know, so that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved me as you have loved me. Loved them as you have loved me. Again, going back to verse 21, so that the world may believe that you sent me. And now verse, 20, so that the, so, verse 23, so that the world may know that you have sent me. So that the world may believe and that the world may know that you love them. Oh, what was Jesus dreaming about? He he was dreaming about our union, not simply for our union. He was preparing people for the world that doesn't yet know that he is with them, that that he's not far from any of us. Church, do you see what's happening today? (laughs) Jesus had a dream. He dreamed. He he was a boy for all those years that he was a boy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he, was a, he was a man up until he was 30, right? You know, see, he was always a man. So I'm losing my track. What I was meaning to say from the very beginning was that at the time that he was 30, he had 30 years of dreaming with God before he was released into his ministry. What was he dreaming about? Yeah. <sighs> the promises were revealed to him. You are my son. We heard this last week. You are my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. All right, now what came with the promise? The gates of hell. 
I mean, can I just be honest? I mean, we, 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 we know that, that with the promise, he was sent into the wilderness where the devil was. And Jesus in that place showed the devil who he was. He showed them that he was a son. You know, if you are the son of God, then do this. He says, well, no, it is written. It is written. It is written. I am the son of God. The promise that Jesus had for his own life was contested by the giants, by, by, the, by the walled cities of the, of the devil himself. Friends, Jesus is dreaming for us as a church. He's dreaming for every one of you personally. He's dreaming that we would be one. He's dreaming so that the world would know. And so what happens in our city when a mist, a cloud, a giant so-called called coronavirus hits our land? When governmental turmoil is all around us? What's happening, friends, when the financial markets are increasingly unstable? Friends, these are our giants. Friends, these are our giants. What have you been dreaming about? What have you been hoping for? Who do you want to be? Who have you been wakened up to become? I, I know for me, when they, they canceled the, the NBA season, they, they canceled uh, you know, the Masters, they, they canceled schools, all that stuff out there. You know, I mean, I, I wanted to see the Milwaukee Bucks win the NBA championship this year. I, I don't know why. <laughs> I have no links to Milwaukee. I just love that tall Greek freak guy. I want to see him, from his background, come up and dominate the NBA. I love that story. I don't know why. But that's not what I'm made for. I'm not made to be a spectator. I'm not made to watch. Why do we live, friends? Why do we discipline ourselves? Why do we say no to the things of the world? Why do we correct one another in love? Why do we suffer sometimes for Christ? Why do we put ourselves in risky situations? Why do we raise up our children in the way they should go? Why do we do what we do? If not for now. If not for the giants in the land. That's our call. It's our call to reveal that word to the people that they are loved by our God. That is what we're made for. This is the hour for us to go into the world. This is what we're made for, friends. Be a Joshua. Dream like Jesus. See what's in front of you right now. Let go of the things of the world. Let go of these fears and say, forget that stuff. I'm not walking around any more mountains. I'm going into this land right now. This is what I'm made for. Do you not feel that right now, friends? Do you not experience that when people are suffering? There's an awakening within you. Do you not have that? that? That's your DNA. That's your design. You are a deliverer. You are one who brings healing. You bring hope everywhere you go. You are the one who the, hell, the gates of hell cannot stand against. These walls crumble at the name of Jesus in you. The glory of God in you revealed takes out those giants. That is the love of God. That is the promise of God. His righteousness declares that he will deliver you and all those that are his. His love and kindness destroys the enemies. This virus will not stand in. The people will not remain lonely in this land. Friends, this is your call. This is your hour. These are your giants. 
gosh, do you, do you know how much David dreamed, okay? So David, you know, the, the, the shepherd boy who became a king, heard the stories of his fathers before him, like Caleb, who went into the high places, took out the giants, and because that brought the promises of God into fruition for his people, for his own kingdom to come, he heard those stories, he dreamed about them. And so when his hour came and there was a giant in the land blocking his people from the promises of God, what did he do? <laughs> he looked that giant in the face and he said, you uncircumcised pagan, I'm going to cut off your head. You have no place in this land. Oh, guys, raise up. It is time to cut off some heads. <laughs> I am spitting. <laughs> Oh, this is fun, friends. This is fun, friends. Jesus dreams. Jesus dreamed big, y'all, from the time that he knew who he was. He knew. Uh, he knew that there would become a day when he would face the religious systems of the world, face all the, the world's political systems, face the devil himself, manifested through people. People like me and you. I don't know about you, but I've partnered with the devil so many times in my life. I don't know if there's not a sin that I haven't committed. All right? I mean, if, if we can't be honest about this kind of stuff and what the Lord has forgiven me from, then how can I walk in love unless I know what I've been forgiven for? And so just like everyone of us, just like everyone else in the world, right, They've partnered with those same systems, selfishness, greed, all those things, lust, all those things. That's my walk as well. Jesus dreamed one day about facing those people, just like me and you, facing us with the demonic stuff behind it, the devil himself controlling them as they let themselves be controlled. And he knew and he dreamed about that day and what he would say to those people. So Jesus, ah, facing pure evil, represented in people, facing people that were betraying him, mocking him, throwing spitballs at him, <laughs> you know, beating him, misunderstanding him, leaving them behind. Jesus looked at them. I mean... He dreamed from the time that he was a boy. He dreamed throughout his entire ministry. What am I going to say at that time, Father? What am I going to say at that time, Father? What am I going to say at that time, Father? And John 5, Jesus tells us that all judgment had been given to him. And so here's the judge of the world facing the kingdoms of man, the religious centers of man, all the selfishness of man. He's dreaming about what he's going to say. What's he thinking about? How's he going to respond to this? What's he going to tell the people that are the most evil, killing the king of kings, the Lord of lords, God incarnate? What's he going to say to them as the judge of the world? Uh, and they're on the way to the cross. And they're on the cross. His words that he had been thinking so long about for so many years. He was hearing the echo of the Father in him at that time. Father, forgive them. Ah, Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Father, forgive them. The cry of the judge against pure evil in man says mercy. Yeah. Right. That's good. <laughs> yeah. Friends, we are, we are not facing the judgment of God. 
in this nation. <laughs> the most evil act in history, killing the Son of God. The Son of God looked back at that and looked at the people doing it and said, you're forgiven. Mercy. 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 Mercy triumphs over judgment. Mercy is our birthright. Mercy is our reconciliation to God. Mercy is our message of reconciliation to the peoples. Mercy reveals the promises. Mercy as we walk in that to one another. That brings us together as family. We are not separated. We have never been separated from God. Psalm 22, look at it. Research it. Have some fun with it. He's never been far from any of us. What we have as a message in this day is mercy. The grace of God is upon us. What giants are in this land right now that we have a message for? No matter what. It's a time to rise up as a church and face the tasks that are ahead of us. We have the ability to proclaim healing. Those that are afraid that their bodies are wearing out through this. We can tell them. We, we, can, we can tend to them. We, we, can, we can wash our hands and clean you know, ourselves up for their sake and then proclaim healing for them and, and pray for them. You guys know that Jesus was always preparing his people at all times. We have been prepared for this hour. Whatever trials we've been going through in these last months and years, it is for this hour. Yes. I'm telling you all the truth. This is the, this is the call of the church now. This is what you've been prepared for is right now. Jesus knew this as well. The night that he was betrayed... Judas went out from the gathering, and the people that, the, that he was there with, the disciples, they just thought that he was going to go buy some bread because he had the money bags. Judas didn't come back. Neither did the money. Jesus was preparing his people by taking away their money. I'm not saying this is what's happening today. I'm, I'm just saying when it came time to release healing in Acts 2, gold and silver, I don't have. But what we have, in the name of Jesus, be healed. I'm not going to pray for you. I'm going to tell you. Be, be healed. That, that phrase that we saw in Numbers, their, their protection has been removed. Friends, right now, our whole nation's protection has been in, in the best sense, okay? Don't get me wrong on this. Their, their self-protection, their, their protection, their, their, their security that they find in, in their health, their security that they find in, in money, their, their security that they find in the things of the, of the world. It's been removed. <laughs> Friends, do you see what's happening? This is our hour. What do you have your security in? I mean, markets come and go. You know, plagues come and go. Jesus said so from the very beginning. Hey, listen, like, I'm going to tell you, you know, like, what's going to happen in the end time so that you won't be unprepared. You know, there's going to be wars, rumors of wars, you know, the pestilences, all these things. We're not surprised by this. This is our call. We, like the people of Israel, have gone through various different times of testings, you know, removing fears, you know, that are in our lives, unbelief that's been going on, casting that aside through the difficulties we faced in these last months and years for this hour. You have a grace in you. You have the glory of God in you. You have a message of mercy. You have the answer to your neighbor's needs. I I was uh, seeing an acquaintance online. She was asking uh, anyone around on Facebook, if you need a ride, 
Or if you need to go to the grocery store, I'll, I'll, I'll go there for you. If you're afraid to go, if, if you're elderly and, and think that it's going to be a bad idea for you to go out into the grocery stores or whatever, I'll, I'll go for you. How many other uh, messages are out there? There are, there are people that are giving massive tips right now. Uh, this is our wonderful life moment. What, what have you been saving for? It's for the small business owner down the street. It's for the person living off tips that people aren't going to right now. Uh, we have in our uh, city right now in Charlotte uh, some of the, 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 the richest institutions on the planet. And I've gotten to know some of those folks um, in, in recent years. I'm telling you, their hearts are huge to give. The, 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 the wealthy that I've met in the city, you know, the, the wealthy that, that, are, that I know that are in the Lord in the city, but, but also in, in many of the walks, they, they have a heart to see the city thrive. And, and this is a time for them especially, for, for all of us who have wealth in any kind of means, to, to now open up the, the, the storehouses. Hey, we don't have tomorrow, so why not, right? I mean, you know, there's a, there's a cry right now in our country because it feels like there's a wealth gap that's going on, and it's causing disunity. Well, this is a great opportunity for those that, that have need to be helped out by those that have, and to show, hey, listen, we've got your back. We're helping you out. We have Chinese businessmen, the wealthiest Chinese businessmen in the world, donating hundreds of thousands of tests for our nation. You know, I'm like, I, I thought China and the U.S. were having some issues, you know. And, and so we are crossing boundaries. You know, we have a call right now. We are part of family. Can we, can we visit? Can we invite in? Can we go to the nursing homes? If you have faith right now that, that this sickness isn't going to touch you, then where can you go right now to proclaim healing? You know, I mean, I, that, that's my call. That's what I love. That's what makes me come alive. I want to go to those places where the people think are the riskiest and go, yes, that's me. We've got a Debbie Hancock here right now going into the places where there's trafficking and saying, I'm going to rescue you. She's got people coming here to the church today to donate toys, to donate, you know, gifts for a family that, that she has rescued. That's going in the darkest places and saying, I've got hope for you. You've got family here. We're going to take care of you. What can you do with that? This is your hour, church. How many ideas have you had over the years to release goodness and mercy and love into all these outwalks? Now is the time for that. You've got it in your heart. You carry the glory of God with you. Nothing can stop you. The gates of hell right now are crumbling. They, they have absolutely no place. The whole culture is afraid. But we're not. Why are you not afraid? Well, because I've got Jesus in me. Gold and silver, I don't have. I mean, we may have. It doesn't matter. That's not the message. The message is Jesus. And through that, let me give you my resources. I mean, like, I can, I can put my place in a place of risk because I've got God at my back. What testimony would that be to those who feel like they are at risk when you are putting yourself in risk so that they wouldn't be at risk? Well, how do you do that? Well, I've got God. He's got my back. You guys see what you're made for this hour. This is mercy. This is, this is God's mercy. <laughs> ah, we'd see it. Do you see it, friends? Do you see it where you are? Your home is a home of mercy. Invite people in. Pray, worship, have fun. Do normal things. Look at your spouse in the eye and say, I love you. I'm so thankful for you. These last years have been amazing. They're going to be best years that are yet to come. Look at these kids. Aren't they amazing? They create messes. I don't like messes. They're sick. I don't like music. But they're amazing. We love them. Take these moments and say, thank you, God, for them. Show the people this is what matters. This is what matters. My, my heart and love for one another, for who I'm becoming in Christ. This is our, our church. I'm preaching. <laughs> I want you to know that you have got this in you. There's nothing stopping you. Goodness, I've been tested this year. We all have in many ways. 
And I'm telling you, Jesus is victorious in you and in your heart. Nothing can stop you. Uh, friends, uh, you know, take, take part in community. You know, uh, I am uh, starting tonight um, on Facebook Live, so on our, um, on our uh, Gate family page, I'm going to be uh, starting uh, communion. Uh, I'm going to do, you know, like a five-minute, ten-minute communion every night during as long as this is. Uh, I would invite you and anyone else online uh, to participate. Um, you can use juice or wine. You know, I'm cool with whatever. Um, but, you know, in, in, in your home, invite people in. You know, you know I'm going to do it around 8 o'clock, and I'll, I'll let you know if there's getting time changes. We may have other people that will take part in it as well. But we're going to do this every single day. Um, and, until, you know, we see this thing pass and that kind of stuff. And we're going to see family come together. We're going to see a step into life. We're going to gaze into the eyes of the Father and become like what we gaze upon. This, uh, these giants that are before us are the, the giants that are attached to the promises of awakening to bring the entire world uh, into the knowledge of God. For the entire world is, 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 the, God, is, is the Lord's. All the Lord, all the world is the Lord's. And so the whole world right now has been blanketed by this mist. It's time for us to burn it away and show them who their father is. Show them that they have a genealogy that they have been grafted into. We all have family that's ours. This is our time to let them know that. Look back over our last few weeks of messages and see how he's been saying to us, this is what the time is. This is what's happening. Now's the time. Get ready. Now, now, now we'll go for it. Now step into it. Okie dokie. All right. Eight o'clock tonight starting, and then every night subsequently, communion. Uh, do it around with your family. Invite people over to do it if you want to. Um, if you want to, you can, you can post prayers. We can pray with one another at that time. Um, but that's one way uh, that we're going to come together in community. Remember that, uh, that there's nothing that separates us. Uh, there's nothing in the spirit that separates us. That, that passage on giving uh, from Romans 14, 27, you know, we, we, we share in the spiritual things and we share in the material things. Uh, you know, so keep all of us in mind for that. You know, support us, support one another in the church. Um, you can go online, help us out with that. Um, but also, you know, find, you know, if you feel led instead to go uh, help out someone that you know that owns a coffee shop in town. And it's tough to pay their employees right now. You know, give them. <laughs> You know, give what you have. Create a GoFundMe for the businesses in town. I mean, there's so many ways that we can help out. So, I, you know, there's, there's more creative people than me than, that can say that. So I'm going to pray and release us into that. Wherever you are, you are pleasing to God. Before you've done anything, God looks at you, and he's absolutely pleased. The first, the, the very beginning of Jesus' ministry, before he's done anything, God says, hey, I'm pleased. This is my son in whom I'm pleased. Toward the end of his ministry, after doing all those things, guess what he needs to be refreshed in at the Mount of Transfiguration? This is my son, in whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. We need to hear this over and over and over again. He's well pleased with you. He's well pleased with you. And so whether you are uh, inviting people into family, whether you're building bridges, whether you are creating continuous moments of hope, whatever that is in our city, our city of Charlotte, needs you to be fully revealed. We don't have a controlling God. You've been invited now to partake in this. You have steps to do for you to step in the promises. So ask the Lord. I'm going to ask the Lord right now in this time of prayer to give you one or two or a lot of things that, that you can do to you know, be prepared to participate in this move of God for our nation's sake. Okay? All right, this is the hour. Let me pray.
Father, you, you call us a, a royal priesthood, a, a priesthood of kings and queens. You, you've told us that one day we'll be judging angels. You've said now that mercy triumphs over judgment. You, you've called us daughters and sons that lack nothing, that the work of God in us is finished, it's complete, that we lack nothing in you. Right now in every home, in every earbud that is listening to this right now, I declare that you are pleasing to God in the name of Jesus, even if you don't know him yet. You are pleasing to God in the name of Jesus Father, I ask that you would take away everything that somebody would use as an argument against that right now in their hearts, and I just declare cleansing. I have partnered with what seems like every possible lie at times in my life that has created such insecurity, such doubt, such anxiety, such fear, and you have overcome them all. And so in every single way, God, I also declare deliverance and healing and cleansing for every unbelief, every doubt, every insecurity, for every person listening to this, that you're free from doubt, that you instead have been given faith. And Father, I ask that faith would now rise up in every one of your beloved right now, every one of your dear children right now that, that love you, that know you in Jesus. And, and I just, I call forth faith. I, I call forth an increase of faith right now in this room. I call forth an increase of faith in every room that's listening to this right now. And thank you that as you're removing doubt, I also ask that you'd fill every person with your peace (laughs) and the pleasure of knowing that God Almighty loves and enjoys you. Let them know your enjoyment and your delight in them and the effects of it that it has upon them like sunshine and joy together. Oh, God, bathe our souls and our bodies right now in your pleasure, at us, at Jesus in us, at our union with you. Cleanse away the the years of drought and wilderness. Restore our bodies. Redeem us. Restore every part of our minds and souls for this hour. Clear and cleanse away that mist. Cut through it with the the blinding eyes and, and light of Jesus like a sword that has two edges. Cut through all that now. According to your word in Psalms 143, God, because of your righteousness, deliver us. And then because you love us, take away every enemy, destroy them all, now and forever for your people. Father, my peace, I leave with them. Jesus tells us that he leaves his peace with us. That's himself. And so, Father, into every room and every heart, every mind, every place of business right now, In this city, I release your peace. You're welcome in this city. You're welcome in our hearts. I release your peace. I declare your mercy. Thank you that your peace in your words is defined as a shalom, as wholeness, as prosperity of soul. So I release that prosperity of soul. I release healing. I release actual financial blessings right now, God, and security and stability in Jesus as people turn to you in this hour. I thank you for that, God. Father, I ask that you would raise up now creative ideas and I release the creative ideas to help out a neighbor, a loved one, 
a distant aunt or uncle, a, a grandparent, somebody, a cousin that hasn't known you before, that, that's afraid right now. Place them on your hearts, God, on our hearts. And I just call them forth, Lord. This is the hour of reconciliation. Reconciliation to you, God. Reconciliation with one another. This is the hour of family being created in our nation and in the world. The family of God. For you will have a people. And you will be our God. You are our God. And so we are your people now. And so, Father, release the message of reconciliation. I ask that the good news of Jesus would be so on fire for everyone right now that everyone they talk to, I mean, just even mentioning the word Jesus, it'll save them. And so, Father, go forth into the streets, into the apartments. Go forth into the businesses. Go forth everywhere right now and release the peace of Jesus, the salvation of Jesus, the justification, the reconciliation of Jesus, his mercy everywhere. Let the good news, let the gospel, let all that we've been praying into and investing into for years now, let all that we've suffered now come to this point and awaken your nation, awaken your people, awaken your bride. Now is the hour of purification. Now is the hour to be glorified. Raise up your glory in your people. In the same way that Jesus said, Lord, glorify your son when he's raised up. In this hour, raise up your church and reveal the glory of Jesus to our city and within one another, Lord, for what all we have in, in our own ways, Lord, sought for and lived for. Father, make in this hour uh, the, the, the healing of hearts be easy. The, the restoration of friendships and, and, and of dearly loved ones become just, I mean, it just, it's just like we're walking in heaven. And thank you, Lord, that I just release your kingdom. I, I thank you for this, Lord. Thank you for courage being raised up at this hour that we can just grab a hold of it, Lord. So I just release all these into the homes and the hearts of all the people that are listening right now, all of us in this room. <laughs> oh, Jesus, I, I appeal to you as the one that faced evil incarnate in man and declared mercy, that for all of us, that we would now believe that you are first and always a merciful God, gracious, slow to anger, gentle, and that kindness and mercy leads all of us to trusting in you. So I declare that message over our people in your nation now. <laughs> ah, Jesus, uh, I, I ask that you would show off your preparation, how you have prepared us in this hour. Show off the preparation of the Father. Show off how the, the Father fathers in this hour. Let us see the sons and daughters of God raised up now. Lord, we are your people this is our hour right now, and I'm so thankful to you for it, Lord. I'm so joyful, God. No matter what comes our way, God, now let the winds of the Spirit be released and surge us into this day and this hour. We love you, Lord. Amen. Uh, friends, we love you. Um, at home, uh, may the peace of God be with you. Uh, see you at 8 o'clock uh, tonight. And uh, anything else you need, please feel free to check in. Make sure you get connected with the group. There's going to be uh, next week uh, some getting to know who those group leaders are. And if you want to lead a group, if you feel like your home now in this hour is the place where the Lord would also uh, invite people into, uh, you can go onto our website, wearethegate.com, go into community, go to groups, go to join a group, um, and, uh, or, uh, lead a group, and then we'll t- contact you from there. But uh, every one of you, uh, please know that the pleased face of God for you. We love you so very much. Thank you. Amen.